0: Thursday brings the statutory deadline for federal contractors to certify they comply with that law banning telecommunications equipment from certain Chinese companies from their networks. Lots of companies were hoping Congress would delay the August 13th deadline. One reason, according to my next guest, is because even the government has only a vague idea of the cost and how to interpret this rule. Here with more, Holland and Knight partner Eric Crucius. Eric, good to have you back.
1: Great to be here. Thanks so much.
0: What are your clients facing? What are they telling you about this whole Chinese ban that's supposed to be in effect tomorrow?
1: Right. And I, I want to first start by saying that I think everyone agrees that something needed to be done. Um, it's just a matter of, of what's being done. But I think um, clients, I think, feel, you know, in talking with a bunch of them, feel like they're being thrown into the ocean without a life raft and without knowing exactly um, what what to do? Um, they want to comply. They want to be compliant. They want to be able to certify tomorrow that they are compliant with this rule. But I think some of them just uh, are having some difficulty, and I think there's good reason for that. I mean, I'll give you one example. Um, you know, they the rule talks about not only the named five named Chinese companies, but also their subsidiaries and affiliates. Well, the FAR Council has not put out a list of who those subsidiaries and affiliates are, so contractors are left to guess who they are. You can kind of guess maybe if the name, like, for instance, Huawei is in the name of a subsidiary and affiliate, but if it's not, um, that creates a lot of confusion. Um, so that's just one of the many things I think contractors are grappling with. Um, sure. As, let me, let me just, uh,
0: do many of them actually have that equipment that they have to remove and replace of the five I've seen prime some, named ones?
1: Yes, I've seen some that have. and And I think part of the problem is that some of these definitions are so vague that Contractors have equipment that may fall under this rule, and it's hard to tell whether it, it does or not. So they're making these kind of multimillion-dollar decisions about whether to remove equipment, whether to replace it, based off of kind of vague definitions that they, they can't really interpret without help of, of of the government.
0: What are some of the definitions other than, say, the names of the subsidiary and affiliate companies, which is hard to determine? What are some of the other vagaries in the rules? Because the rules have been published.
1: Right. Right. Um, one of them is reasonable inquiry, which is what contractors are required to do in order to kind of find uh, this equipment. And, um, you know, they say the government says it's something short of an audit, but how short of an audit? We're not really sure. Does The steps that need to be taken aren't specifically laid out. So, for instance, does an item have to be dissected to see if it contains parts from Huawei or Hikvision or CTE or one of those other companies? Are contractors required, for instance, to interview employees to see what the employees know about these parts. So the fear is that, especially when you're talking about agencies across the government, is that contractors, maybe according to one agency, are taking sufficient steps, but according to another agency are not taking sufficient steps because the definition of reasonable inquiry is vague enough that you can make an argument that any steps really are not good enough. So I think that's that's one of the definitions. Another one is there are three companies mentioned in the second half of the rule, and excuse me if I butcher these names, Hightera Communications Corporation, Hikvision Digital Technology, Dawood Technology Company, and it's not all their products that are banned. It's products for physical surveillance of critical infrastructure, other national security purposes, video surveillance. So we don't know all those definitions. For instance, it has to be for the purposes of one of the options is public safety. What exactly is public safety? Is um, if you have security cameras in your warehouse and members of the public walk in, is that considered public safety? and one of the other limiting factors is critical infrastructure right for surveillance of critical infrastructure what is critical infrastructure there's no definition in, in the rule of that now it's defined elsewhere but not really in the FAR it's defined in the patriot uh national institute of standards and technology defines it and obama eo defines it but they're all slightly different definitions that give different guidance so i think having definitions to kind of the, to those key terms would be really helpful cuz contractors are making literally multi-million dollar definitions off, uh, decisions, excuse me, off of these definitions.
0: We're speaking with Eric Crucius. He's a partner at the law firm Holland and Knight, and you know we're coming into the final buying season of the 2020 fiscal year, and so the law says that the that the government won't issue any contracts to companies that are in this position. So, what are some short term things companies can do just to get it through the next? few months before anyone figures out what might be the case.
1: Right. I mean, so one of the things that they have built into the rule is, some, is a waiver process where c- companies can get a waiver um, if they can't comply with the rule in enough time. But um, the issue with the waiver process is it doesn't really help the part, I think, that contractors need help with. So um, the waiver process is available if you've already identified all the um, technology that's, what's to say, the offending technology um, that you have, and you just need time to replace it. Um, the waiver process does not help if you're still trying to figure out what technology you have. Um, so contractors, I think, you know, my experience has been, and just logically, I think that the biggest problem is identifying the technology and figuring out where it is. And and then the second part, what to do about it, is also a difficult part, but that's more of a cost thing. It's more about just going out, procuring and buying replacement parts. So the waiver allows you to get a waiver uh, on a kind of agency by agency basis. Um, so it's not a, uh, enterprise waiver or a cross-government waiver. Um, but it doesn't allow you to get a waiver if you haven't identified the technology within your company already. So that's kind of a measure a company could take as you, as you well mentioned, we're right in the middle of buying season right here. Um, that's something that companies can do if they're in that position, but I think that won't really help a lot of companies. And then on top of that, you have, you know, GSA. you know, as they, rightfully do come in very efficiently and say hey there's going to be a mass mod that includes this and if you don't sign this mass mod as a gsa scheduled contract holder you're not going to be able to get any orders after uh tomorrow august 13th so i think you know contractors don't really have a lot of wiggle room and i think part of the difficulty was you know before this rule came out um dod was asking for a delay industry was asking for a delay there was some expectation within industry that a delay was going to happen and then it didn't happen. And here we are, everyone is scrambling to comply with it on a really expedited basis.
0: Do you think this could be a big post facto gotcha for contractors in the next fiscal year when some of the definitions might come into clearer focus and companies find that, whoops, I wasn't compliant on that August 13th date?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, Because we might, we might you know, We're all asking for more meat on these bones, and we may get the meat, but we may not like how it tastes. Um, so, uh, And that could cause um, some problems down the road for contractors. And because there's a certification aspect to this, uh, where contractors are essentially certifying that they're compliant with this rule uh, with every offer that they make, um, that, of course, brings in all the parade of horribles dealing with the False Claims Act and, and whistleblowers and, and mandatory disclosures and things like that. So um it's not a it's not an insignificant problem for contractors.
0: And do you see any bridge between this rule of banning the Chinese equipment and networks and systems and so on with the CMMC which is also coming, the cybersecurity maturity model certification because how could you be CMMC compliant if there's all this banned Chinese materials in your networks.
1: That's a great point, actually. And uh, I had a discussion at an event with somebody last week or two weeks ago about that, because if you look at the CMMC model itself, it talks about supply chain and having a clean supply chain. And that's exactly what this rule is about. From level two and up, you can argue, and CMMC, as you know, is divided into five levels, five being the most stringent, one being the least stringent. But if you want to get a certification essentially for two and up, you really have to take your supply chain into consideration. Two is a little bit easier to comply with, of course, and four is the most difficult. But I think especially with a level four, you really have to be compliant with this rule in order to get that certification. And I would argue two and three as well.
0: All right. So again, just to recap, the short-term thing that contractors should do is accept contracts, but maybe start really getting in on their inventory.
1: Contractors are kind of in a no-win situation right now. If they don't really know what they have as far as this technology goes, and they accept a contract, you know, and essentially certify that they are compliant with this rule, and they're not. Um, they put themselves in a very precarious position. So I would I would urge contractors to kind of look at their systems before Thursday, tomorrow and make sure that they are compliant before accepting a contract or certifying that they have complied with this rule. The answer may be not to not to enter into a contract if they can't certify, if they suspect that they may have this technology, because the risk, the downside is is really great here.
0: Yeah, so it depends really then on the capriciousness or lack thereof that the government may choose to exercise down the line. In the absence of any kind of rescue from Congress on the interpretation and the dates and so on,
1: right? That's a great point. I mean, contractors are kind of kind of be left not to the whim of—that's the wrong word—but to the discretion of the agency officials and all these different agencies who may interpret this rule slightly differently. DoD was good enough to put out um, some guidance about this, but it didn't give a lot of more uh, information on these definitions. And you know, we'll see what happens when other agencies are putting out guidance. But the guidance will be coming out after the after this rule is in effect. So it's, it's help, it'll be helpful, but the helpfulness will be limited because contractors have already spent millions of dollars trying to comply with this rule.
0: Well, we have a new old expression then, sellers beware.
1: <laughs> well said.
0: Eric Crucius is a partner at the law firm Holland & Knight. Thanks so much. Thank you. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on your schedule. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One.
1: Want more ways to show your good side to the world? Donate Plasma at a Griffel Center and join thousands of donors who are helping to save lives. Receive up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com.
2: As fall fills up with activities and obligations, even a small time saver can feel like a big help. Grammarly is an all-in-one writing tool that makes clear, concise communication easier than ever, so you can finish your work earlier